All right. This is episode two of the Social Construct of Leslie podcast, a uh, podcast series from the May 30th Alliance Network, podcast network. Uh, we began, the first episode we began, I sort of gave a brief introduction to uh, the concept of the Social Construct of Leslie podcast. Uh, I explained how this is our second go around with recording this uh, specific uh, podcast series. <clears throat> uh, I learned a few things from the first attempt that I gave at recording this podcast series, and I've sort of taken those things that I've learned and uh, tried to use them to uh, better this series on the second go round. Uh, so I, I spoke about that a little bit. I also uh, began to speak about May 30th, 2020, which was the overall theme of the initial podcast uh, and the police terrorism attack that took place on May 30th, 2020. I uh, spoke about my life before May 30th, some of my experiences with uh, uh, police, uh, with some of my personal experiences with the macroaggressions of police terrorism, you know, uh, and some of my thoughts uh, on some of those things. I spoke about uh, <clears throat> some of the things that led up to May 30th, both nationally and locally. Uh, and then we sort of left off uh, at the arriving at District 1 and some of the events that were going on. Uh, at District 1, at the end of that first, uh, the pr premiere episode of the podcast, it began to rain, so uh, I had to stop the podcast and sort of take shelter. For anybody who may uh, be listening to this uh, listening to this podcast series and is unaware, uh, the May 30th Alliance is currently undertaking an occupation outside of the City Hall in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, it's been going on for, at this point, uh, 366 days. Uh, the occupation began after Tyrus Jones, an unarmed black man, uh, was shot by a Rockford Police Department officer. Uh, the officer's name was Dominic McNeese. Uh, that, those events are something that we will get to eventually. Uh, but just to uh, give some type of understanding why you may hear ca cars cars or horns honking or uh, people or anything like that and the same reason why if the weather changes suddenly we'll have to end the podcast episode and start another one uh, that is all due to the fact that we are outside of the city hall in Rockford Illinois uh, recording this podcast uh, okay so that gives us that's basically a, a, a previously uh, a previously on the social construct of Leslie there that sort of catches you up with some of the things that you may have missed if you're just picking this up on the second episode. And so I want to pick up again where we left off on episode one, which was being outside of District 1 on May 30th uh, and the emotions that were felt by the people, uh, the protesters and the community members who were outside of District 1 on May 30th. <clears throat> uh, we have spoke about uh, it being upwards to a, a thousand people uh, that initially uh, were taking part in the march and that initially came up to District 1 as we marched to District 1. Uh, and then we spoke about, uh, uh, and then people gave speeches while we were at District 1. Uh, and then uh, as time passed and people were there, you know, a few people began to trickle off and leave naturally, but uh, the police hit a siren on their car, which led to uh, a, a very large percentage of the crowd beginning to run and scatter and leave and people not, uh, people becoming, you know, uh, <clears throat> intimidated and nervous because of of the siren uh, going off, uh, which were all you know. This was the, a tactic that they were using, the use uh, turning on the police siren. Uh, so as 
as uh, percentages of the crowd begin to leave, uh, myself and other people who were at the protest uh, on May 30th begin to try to uh, articulate to people how the sirens going off on the police cars was not indicative of anybody doing anything illegal. It did not mean that anybody was under arrest. It didn't mean that we had uh, to leave, that we were on uh, a public ground, we were in public space. And uh, there were some people that we were able to get to come back, mainly the thing that uh, I believe uh, we were able to do was to keep uh, a, a, a bigger percentage of people from leaving rather than get more people who left to come back. <clears throat> uh, but either way, uh, in the process of doing that, uh, there would be a man who would pick up uh, uh, in the, the Rafa Police Department symbol, which had been torn off of basically this district, the police district one uh, sign that's in front of the uh Rafa Police District. Uh, it's a, a big Rafa. It's a big Rafa Police Department symbol that had been torn down in the midst of uh, the protest uh, on May 30th uh, by community members and by uh, protesters, and have been stumped on and destroyed. And again, uh, that was in a, a symbolism of the uh, of the anger and the frustration and the uh, the tumultuous. Uh, experiences that uh, members of this community have had with the police department, that members of this community have seen uh, their loved ones have with this police department, you know, and uh, I think that when, just as I spoke about uh, on the very end of the last episode, one of the things that precipitated some of these things were uh, uh, people throwing rocks at the uh, police district one uh, building. Uh, but again, but anyway, so... <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry, My uh, this is what happened with my uh, throat being scratchy like this. I don't mean to do that in a mic. Uh, but so people would take the uh, the police district one symbol down and destroy it. Uh, and then there would be a person who was there who had had a couple of uh, contentious interactions with other uh, community members and protesters that were out on May 30th. Uh, he uh, had a, a big American flag that he had with him and sort of had like an army hat and he looked like he was in the service in some, in some manner. He would take this RPD sign up to the uh, doors of District 1 while people were scattering and running away after the sirens had went off. Uh, and as people were beginning to come back to the front of District 1, to the doors of District 1, uh, <clears throat> people would see this man uh, coming out of the uh, police district building with the flag, uh, with his flag, and uh, he had a certain, you know, air about him, and uh, people would begin to have a verbal altercation with him, you know, and me and a couple other community members uh, and, and protesters, you know, I'm not, I don't want to uh, cast somebody as a protester that would prefer have to been considered a community member or somebody who was a community member to be preferred to be considered a protester, and so I'm just trying to use uh, both of those terms because I know that it could, those basically were the two, uh, the two, two of the main roles that were being played at this time. Uh, and so me and other people would try to uh, de-escalate the situation between him and uh, other people that were out on May 30th at District 1 uh, protesting. And eventually we, we would succeed in that and we would uh, re-navigate people's energy uh, towards the doors of Police District 1. And so we would approach the doors of Police District 1 and uh, from there we would see police officers in riot gear. Uh, it would be a, a, a small... Uh, mishap where somebody standing close to the doors would accidentally hit the handicap button that would open the doors of police district one uh, and in that moment it felt as if the police were just going to sort of swarm out of the uh, the building uh, 
but instead, uh, it will be Kurt Wisenhan, the assistant deputy chief, the uh, uh, person in charge of District 1, uh, who will point and say that somebody uh, on our side had uh, hit the handicap button and that they didn't open the doors, they would close the doors, we would uh, continue to be at the doors, there would be people voicing their displeasure with the police department and their anger and their emotions with the police department uh, at the doors. Uh, and it would be at this point that uh, I would begin, the first time I would hear uh, rocks uh, being thrown against the building and hear the shattering of glass and hear uh, and if I, I did see in videos later on, I would see fireworks uh, being thrown, small fireworks that had no chance of doing any type of dam structural damage to the building. Uh, but I didn't in that moment, you know, hear the fireworks. Uh, but then again, me and some and this, and this is something that uh, people some people will disagree with this and some people will agree with this. You know, if I if the same type of situation happened now, I don't know that I would make these same type of decisions. Uh, but at the time, again, this is my first protest I was at, uh, be, I had been in, uh, the first time I had been involved in something like this. So at the time, me and a couple other people went to try to speak to the uh, people who were throwing rocks, uh, and not in an effort to condemn them for throwing rocks or to tell them that they were wrong for throwing rocks or tell them that they, they shouldn't uh, be doing it or try to tell them who was, <clears throat> to try to seem like we were in charge, uh, but more in an effort to uh, explain to people that... Uh, we believe different tactics were appropriate at this time. Uh, and, you know, be, I think because of how high the emotions was, that was not something that everybody uh, understood. And that's not something that everybody agreed with. And even now, you know, everybody wouldn't agree with those things. And like I said, I think that uh, a lot of times it's a, a, a time and place for specific strategies or specific tactics to be implemented. And I think that it's uh, important to understand what the, the time and place for those things were. And so in that moment, it did not feel like, uh, it was advantageous uh, uh, for those things to be happening and for those things to be being done. And I think that another part of that was that uh, there were cameras that were all around that pe and that were filming and people uh, with phones filming. And uh, I believe a lot of the people who were even throwing rocks and who were uh, throwing fireworks or whatever weren't even 100 uh, percent knowledgeable and understanding about the situations that they themselves were in and how vulnerable they themselves were uh, as they were committing some of these acts. Uh, and so we would get to a point where the rocks would stop being thrown and fireworks would stop being thrown and uh, the motion and attention uh, outside of the uh, outside of police district one would still remain at a fever pitch, uh, but it would uh, be shifted more towards uh, sort of just voicing those things vocally and so a lot of people were and then even uh, internally there were there were it was such a big group of people that were out there that as all these things were happening you could see people amongst themselves talking about whether they should leave whether they should stay whether uh uh people should be throwing rocks or people shouldn't be throwing rocks or whether people should be telling people to not throw rocks or whether people shouldn't be telling people to not throw rocks and and so uh it would be in the midst of all of this sort of internal uh, chaos and internal confusion that was happening outside of police district one, uh, that would be when uh, police department, the Rockford police department would have uh, units and, and uh, you know, basically every police officer that they could, uh, I believe, uh, begin to form a perimeter around the, the greater area that police district one is in and uh, begin to shut down more of the streets that were in that area. And, 
you would see police officers begin to sort of come from the opposite side of the street and from uh, uh, from this point as the police officers were sort of started to circle in and form their perimeter the police officers that were once inside of police district one that were once at the front of the doors that were already prepared in riot gear that were already prepared with batons and with uh, beanbag shotguns with beanbag bullets and with uh, 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 less lethal munitions and tear, tear gas and all of these things, uh, they would have the basically the go-ahead uh, to step out of District 1 and to st step outside of the building of District 1 and to begin to step on uh, the front yard and the uh, front door, the uh, entranceway or whatever to District 1. And so the police officers inside would come outside. Uh, and it would be at this point, again, that I would like to point out the... Uh, the escalation, the the escalation of uh, of the situation that is that was at hand. Uh, the police department uh, had the police department made specific uh, tactical choices uh, to get themselves in a, a more politically advantageous position uh, to use violence. And I say that to say, uh, I say that because uh, when the initial wave of people. Uh, First off, when it was uh, over a thousand people that were outside of District 1 and over a thousand people that was marching in the streets, uh, the Rockford Police Department was uh, completely unprepared to have any type of a uh, altercation with the, uh, the, the people that were in the streets because of the sheer uh, numbers that they had. Uh, and, and, and again, the unpreparedness of the Rockford Police Department when it comes to uh, uh, things like this. Uh, again, I pointed out that this was uh, by far the most people that have ever participated in any type of protest or, or demonstration or march in the city of Rockford. And uh, again, that may be it's a, it is a possibility that we could uh, we would find something that would disprove that. But if if it is, it would be something it would be a, a close second. And so. Just the uh, amount of people that was there kept them from making certain violent decisions. But then also the demographic of of the people that were there. Uh, the 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 longer that time went on in this march and uh, this protest, the more that people who were directly connected to these issues began to be there. Now, whether that be through the fact that the, the crowd began to be uh, more uh, people of color and less white people as specific tactics like uh, police officers putting sirens on happened and as people uh, throwing uh, rocks and all of these things happened, I, don't, I think that you cannot remove the fact that there is some sort of uh, privilege that is inherently uh, invoked when people decide that uh, at certain points they no longer care about the issue that they came about for, that they came out for, that the issue that they came out for, uh, it, for some reason, loses its credence because of the tactics that someone else chooses to take. Whether that be people internally taking tactics you don't agree with, or whether that be uh, externally tactics being taken uh, that uh, scare you or intimidate you. You know, there's a privilege to be able to opt out at certain points. Uh, I believe that the people who stayed uh, past these internal uh, and external uh, conflicts that arose were people who uh, are forced to deal with these things no matter what their beliefs is on the internal and external conflicts and so uh, black people who uh, have 
no choice but to understand that there will be some black people who deal with these issues in a way that are different from them, but it doesn't make the issues any less prevalent. They understood that the that they uh, they stayed then. You know, they understood the reason and the purpose of staying then. Uh, I believe people uh, of of in, in poor community, uh, people from poor neighborhoods or from poor communities or from uh, neighborhoods of poverty who understand that uh, when you live in a street, when you live in a neighborhood that is impoverished, that each person will take a different method to try to get themselves out of those impoverished means uh, but disagreeing with somebody else's method does not get you out of poverty and so you have to find a way to uh, uh, to uh, balance uh, the understanding that the, the commonalities of oppression are more important than your uh, differences of tactics and so those were the people who could stay who would stay uh, and again, the same thing for people who have had uh, family members who have been in and out of uh, uh, the prison system or family members who have uh, dealt with police uh, violence in, uh, in any type of a manner or uh, family members or loved ones who have dealt with those things or racial injustice in any type of a manner. These are people who have already been permanently scarred by these issues. And so uh, they understand the fact that different people uh, react differently to these things because they've seen it in their family, how their mother re has reacted acted differently uh, to the imprisonment of their brother than they react to it or then their father reacts to it or uh, they react differently to being uh, uh, assaulted by the police than the person that they were with reacted to it. Uh, and so the, uh, these are the groups of people that uh, continue to stay on May 30th, uh, 2020 outside of District 1. Uh, and, in, and there is an understanding that the police department had in that, that the uh, uh, there's also an understanding that because of the area that uh, District 1 is in, which is on the west side of the city of Rockford, Illinois, on the west side of the Rock River, uh, it is a community that is a predominantly black, overwhelmingly uh, black and overwhelmingly uh, of color. Uh, and it is a, a community which is uh, has been divested from economically uh, uh, for decades. And so. The people that were in the community who were even just coming out to see what was going on or who didn't know about these things, they didn't know about the protest or the march. And uh, because it was so close to their house or their neighborhood, they stepped out to walk over and then became involved. Or even the fact that this police district, each police district in the city of Rockford, Illinois, is stationed uh, next to uh, public housing. And the public housing in Rockford, Illinois, is predominantly a people of color inside of it. Uh, and so these people who are next to the police district one have dealt with the brunt of the police force more so than anybody uh, in the city. And so these people, uh, maybe they didn't, weren't aware of what was going on initially in the march or the protest, but these were the people who would come and learn about it uh, and, and become involved and participate because of their uh, proximity to it. And so all of these things were taken into account uh, when the Rockford Police Department uh, began to make its first wave of attack, uh, which is what I'll sort of describe this as. And so uh, when they made that first wave of attack, uh, they will come with uh, batons, uh, they will come with uh, shields, they will come with uh, less lethal munition, they will come punching and kicking. And so I want to try to paint this picture as well as possible. Uh, and one of the ways I want to paint the picture is by saying there was uh, basically you have a, a, line, of, uh, a line of police officers uh, 
you know, one officer. It's not one, two, three behind each other. They're just lined up in one line, maybe 25, 30 officers uh, straight across. And then you have a line of protesters uh, lined up the same way. But the line of protesters have multiple layers of people behind them. Uh, and now in between the uh, police and the protesters, uh, I don't know the exact amount of yards or the exact amount of area. I would say at least, let's say, 75 to 100 feet. Now, again, it's important to note that the police department would not say uh, that this was an unlawful assembly and people would need to disperse, uh, which is uh, the law. They would not give people ample time to leave and also give them a, uh, a route and a way out, a clear way out. Uh, they would not do any of these things before they began their first wave of attack, their first onslaught. Uh, they would just line themselves up. Kurt uh, Wiz in hand would have his uh, men in formation and he would give the go, basically, uh, and, and like saying hike, like a quarterback saying hike. Uh, and his uh, police officers would charge the protesters and charge the community members. Uh, the people that they could, they grabbed, uh, slammed to the ground, they pushed backwards, they uh, hit them with sticks, hit them with batons, they uh, stumped on them. Uh, I can, and it, you know, I can even uh, can't imagine, you know, what each individual person uh, felt or dealt with in those moments. Uh, but I can remember uh, me personally just being pushed back from the barrage of people being pushed back and trying to move back. Uh, try, I was trying to uh, make sure I stayed up and didn't fall to the ground and get trampled. Uh, and, and again, uh, once this first wave of attack happens, uh, this is again a escalation of uh of the uh, of the issue, an escalation of the situation, uh, and then uh, one of the things that I find uh, very intriguing about uh, the society we currently live in is how people will uh, justify uh, the the actions of police officers uh, based off of. Uh, human instinct or based off of having to make a split second decision or based off of uh, uh, you know based off of these intangible things you know uh, but that same luxury is not afforded uh, to our fellow citizen to community members and I say that to say uh, there would be people who uh, was would from afar condemn anybody who tried to defend themselves when these police officers onslaughted and hit people or anybody who did uh, who if they were uh, pushed pushed the officer back or if they were being uh, kicked or stumped tried to do something to counter it so that they didn't feel a brunt of the uh, physical violence or the physical toll on themselves uh, there will be people from afar who would condemn those things uh, but I, I ask uh, would those same people have the wherewithal to uh, not have that human reaction, to not have that fight or flight mentality, uh, to, to, to allow to themselves to be pushed, to be punched, to be kicked, to be stumped, to be hit with batons, to watch people next to them have those same things happen to them uh, and do nothing about it? You know, and so I, I posed that question. Uh, and so, again, I was being uh, pushed back and falling back. And then in the midst of this thing, uh, uh, this is, you know, it was basically that line of police officers basically was initiating a brawl, uh, initiating uh, uh, this this violent, uh, initiating the, a violent altercation. Uh, and 
And so there will be some people who would even be arrested in the midst of this and uh, charged with criminal trespass. Uh, Terry, who is somebody who has been heavily involved in the uh, occupation at City Hall and is a... a been involved at the May 30th Alliance since the beginning, uh, or orchestra organizer of the May 30th Alliance since the beginning. Uh, he was arrested uh, initially uh, in this first onslaught, this first wave, uh, and he was brutally beaten. He had uh, blood all over his shirt. He said that the officer who brought him into the holding, brought him into holding after May 30th was all uh, said and done and wrapped up with, had to take his name tag off. When he took his name tag off, uh, it was just full of blood. He had to go wash it to get the blood off. His, uh, Terry's blood was all over his uniform. Uh, and so that's just uh, one depiction of some of the violent, you know, one description of some of the, the manner of the violence. Like, that, yes, this in this first wave of attack, people were beat, so they were bloody. People had, uh, I'm sure people had fractured uh, body parts. People had sprained body parts and bruised body parts. And uh, and the just the psychological uh, trauma. I've had multiple people who were at May 30th and who have been at some of these other things we'll talk about going forward in the future who have talked about still being psychologically traumatized from the things that they experienced on May 30th, from the things that they have experienced uh, for, at the hands of the Rockford Police Department and the Winnebago. County Sheriff deputies and the, the 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 brand of police terrorism that they enact in this community. Uh, and so, uh, after this first wave, the police officers basically had taken a, a ground or aligned in the in the uh, the the yard, the grass or whatever, the, the field of uh, police district one and have pushed the community members and active and protesters, activists uh, back 50, 75 more feet. And so so the, the, what they were doing as they were simultaneously doing this is that they were continuing to form a perimeter uh, around the area that people were at. Uh, and so as they were pushing people back in one manner, they were also slowly moving their officers forward from the opposite side. And so they were trying to uh, kettle us in uh, in a very uh, slow, methodical manner. Uh, and then as they were, and again, this should be pointed out that as they were doing these things, you have a flow of people that's leaving and trying to get away. Uh, you also have a small percentage of people who are uh, walking and coming in and, and becoming a part. Uh, and the majority of people that are leaving and getting away, again, are people who are less marginalized, people who are more privileged, people who are less oppressed, less exploited, uh, and people who are, the majority of the people who are beginning to come in and to beginning to be there are people who are more marginal, marginalized, more exploited, more oppressed. Uh, and again, the type of people who are staying are the people who are marginalized and exploited and oppressed. And at this point, everybody who is staying has now been traumatized. They're now victims. Uh, they now fall in that third category that we were speaking about earlier. And so they've been transformed. We, me, me myself is one of the people who has stayed, have been transformed to becoming, uh, not just being there advocating for certain people, but we have become those uh, uh, that were in need of uh, being advocated for. We had become our. We had to be our own advocates, and so we had to stand our ground, and so uh, and we had the legal uh, uh, right to stand our ground, and so. Uh, People, I remember one of the things that would happen is that I would be running, I would be running around. Uh, yeah, basically, you know, running around, uh, trying to talk to different people, trying to figure out, okay, uh, what do you, what do you think we should do? You know, what I'm saying, like, trying to figure out who was in charge. You know, like, who is, 
who is leading the charge and who is coming up with the tactical plan. There were some people saying uh, what we needed to do was get everybody together and march back to uh, Haskell Park, where we had came from. Uh, some people are saying we just need to get everybody together and march somewhere different as long as we march somewhere that it was good. Uh, some people were uh, getting everybody together uh, and, you know, getting groups together and leaving and going home. Uh, Blazy would, uh, who was uh, sort of like this uh, active, like overnight social media activist uh, uh, in Rockford, Illinois, who uh, began, he uh, was co-opted by the city. Uh, as we continue going through some of these stories, I'll continue to sort of uh, speak about some of these uh, characters or some of these people. I don't want to just say characters, but some of these people. But, you know, the characters in the story. Uh, but he would lead a group of people away from District 1. And so the, and all of these things were on film. Uh, and so the the city of Rockford and the police department and the mayor, politicians and nonprofit, not for profit organizations who are all in bed with the city and in bed with the police, who are all uh, co-conspirators of police terrorism, mass incarceration, racial injustice. And if not co-conspirators, enablers of police terrorism, mass incarceration and racial injustice in Winnebago County, they would watch all these social media videos and all these news videos and they would see that Blazy led people away. Uh, and then so that they would go out their way to go and get Blazy and make Blazy part of a uh, a counter revolutionary group that would try to co-opt. And in some ways they were successful in this co-opt the movement for black lives and make it about black capitalism or co-opt the movement for black lives and make it about black politicians or co-opt the movement for black lives uh, and try to make it about uh, uh, humanity, you know, which. Uh, that's a good, you know, and, and I don't want to get into too philosophical about uh, saying humanity, because that was a phrase that was used uh, once when I was having a, a discourse with uh, uh, Blazy. Uh, and the fact of the matter is that the, the struggle for uh, black lives, uh, which is what was going on at, on May 30th, at May 30th, even though the bigger issues and the, the overarching issues uh, are police terrorism, mass incarceration, racial injustice now, currently, because what we've expanded the, the, the struggle and the movement out to include, uh, and that is, in, in, and the struggle for black lives is inherently a, a anchor in that, the struggle against police terrorism, mass incarceration, and racial injustice. Uh, but in America, black people have not been considered human. In America, black people were put on paper in the, the founding documents of this country to be subhuman, three-fifths human. Uh, and so the struggle for black lives is something uh, that is... Uh, separate from even just uh, uh, humanity. It should be a humanity issue. It should be a human issue. But because the existence of black people since the beginning in this country has been pol about uh, politics, uh, that's why they had the three-fifths, so they could get extra voting power. Uh, this is the struggle in this uh, since black people, since they have came here, the first thing that they were considered was to be property. Uh, it has always been uh, a struggle to first even get us respected as human beings, to get us the rights and the liberties that exist for human beings. And then it can be a, a humanity issue. Once we once this country uh, begins in, in this city, as specifically in this county, specifically as well, too, to uh, to treat black people as human beings, then we can begin to have the discussion about humanity. Uh, but it takes. It takes a. a a consciousness of humanity to even understand that.
but anyways, let's um, we get an off track. Let's get back to uh, May 30th. Hold on, let me get a drink of water here. Man, I hope the batteries and the mic is still good, man. I'm gonna be mad if this is buzzing. I'm gonna be mad if this is buzzing. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, the second wave of police will come. Do another assault, do another uh, uh, beating uh, uh, of protesters and activists. Uh, as this was happening, again, people would be taking other protesters and or people would be taking other uh, groups of people and, and leaving. Uh, and so what was once upwards to a thousand people as we get uh, at at three o'clock? Uh, in the uh, afternoon as we have now uh, at Haskell Park three o'clock in the afternoon at Haskell Park what's what which was once much more than a thousand people on the streets upwards of a thousand people even once we get to district one upwards of a thousand people has dwindled down uh, to 200 people 200 to 250 people uh, and Nobody is on the same uh, wavelength. Nobody is on the same page. Everybody is traumatized. People are have been pepper sprayed. I think that's one of the things that I want. I, w- I would like to point out too is the. This is the first time I had ever seen uh, this type of. I guess I don't know what uh, uh, crowd control policing uh, ever happening in 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 3D in real life. You know, beside again, not in history books or in documentaries or in films or something, TV shows or something like that. And so, the, or on the news, you know. And so the, the pepper spray, the way that the pepper spray would just completely destroy the air uh, was something that was crazy to me. The way that if it, uh, the, the way that the amount that they were spraying, when you look at the pictures later on, it would just be clouds of this pepper spray that they were spraying out. Uh, it, dis, it Disregarding if anybody was doing anything to break the law, because again, people are on public ground. Uh, and at this point, the, the rocks that were being thrown at the building had completely dissipated. Uh, were there people who were throwing uh, water bottles and throwing items at the police? Yes. At this point, people were doing it out of self-defense. Uh, people had, again, like I told you, once that first wave of police uh, came and uh, beat people like that, people got into a fight or flight mentality. People got into a, uh, a mentality of trying to uh, uh, protect the person to your left and, and your right. Uh, and uh, it was uh, sincerely and truly a us uh, versus it situation. And when I say us versus it, I mean us as the people versus it, the institution of policing, because that is what those officers were out there for. Those officers were not out there uh, on uh, representing uh, uh, Rockford or representing Winnebago County. County. Uh, it was more people from Rockford and from Winnebago County that were in the at the time that these uh, onslaughts occurred that was uh, on the side of the community members and the protesters. So uh, if we're speaking about a, a, a gauge of what the city wants or what the. Uh, uh, no, and I'm, I'm again, I'm getting a little off track. So I, I just wanted to sort of reiterate that this this pepper spray was spraying people who had done nothing wrong, done nothing illegal, had not thrown rocks, were not throwing, had not thrown any water bottles. Uh they weren't trying. They were indiscriminately pepper spraying people. And it's the same way that they were uh, punching people and kicking people at this point and throwing people on the ground. There was one incident uh, in the midst of all this happening where a young woman was uh, uh, trips as she was trying to back up they, because they keep coming with these different waves, running into people uh, and running into people. I mean, that's why they, they do run into people. But the waves would just be a line of police officers pushing straight toward a line of protesters or straight towards a line of activists. Uh, and so 
during one of these times, you know, as this would happen, we would be trying to sort of back up, you know, and to uh, not fall as we were uh, backing up and to back up quick enough to not get grabbed by the police officers. The police officers had sticks. Some of them were swinging sticks. So you would be trying to not get hit from the stick from the police officer. Uh, and so as we were gradually uh, backing up one of the times or gradually as we were trying to back up quickly one of the times a, a, a young lady tripped and she sort of like twisted her ankle fell to the ground uh, and a police officer grabbed her ankle you know it was the craziest thing I'll, I'll vividly I'll never forget this police officer grabs her ankle uh, and she has this look of fear in her eyes and she's looking down at this, looking towards this police officer. You can like see the fear in her eyes. And as she's having that look, you can see this police officer begin to raise his uh, baton up uh, in, a, in a manner basically to get ready to strike her like he was holding her leg to make sure she couldn't move and he was going to hit her with the baton uh from what appeared to be to me straight directly over the face and over the, her chest uh and so me and uh two other black men uh grabbed this woman uh this young black lady we we grab her and we and we pulling her you know we basically grab her arms and her shoulders and we got to yank her out of this man's possession uh and pull her back and get her you know we get her up on her feet and we push her over and we we screaming and do like what the fuck you doing man like and the, and the look that he had in his eyes was like unlike anything i've ever seen bro unlike anything i'd ever seen at that moment i will go on to see that that look of uh of of complete uh of just comp a complete lack of empathy a complete lack of of seeing another human being, of just seeing a target. I will go on to see that look in these police officers' eyes uh, time and time again. It's one that uh, uh, I've grown to be very familiar with. Uh, but at the time, that was the first time I had really seen it in action. Uh, and it was at that moment that I knew I couldn't leave. Uh, it was at that moment that I knew I had to stay here for as long as it, I physically could endure, as long as I psychologically could endure, because this was truly something uh, that was bigger than me and that was greater than me. And the, the, I didn't know if people was going to die there. I just knew that, I, that I, at this, everything in my life had led up to me being here at this moment and that I would never be able to accept what came with me leaving but I could be able to accept the things that came with me staying. Uh, and that was a very profound moment for me. Uh, so we would get her up. We'd be on the line. You know, we get back into the line of people. And again, people congregating. What do we do? What do we do? Groups of people, you know. Uh, and at this point, the sun is coming down. The evening is, uh, the sun is setting. It's becoming the evening. And I would like to point out that the amount of police officers has greatly increased. Uh, the officers, the amount of officers with gas masks on has greatly increased. The amount of officers with the these uh, orange, like, the, I believe they're the beanbag bullet guns or i don't know if they're the munition i don't know just all the the less lethal weaponry is what they call it it had all increased uh the winnebago county sheriff deputies were there uh, uh i uh, I've, I've been told that uh winnebago correctional officers were deputized to come out there uh p officers were there uh in street clothes uh it was at this point they were basically uh, get loading up their army, loading up an army. And I think one of the things that should be pointed out is that as they were doing this, right, as they were putting all of their resources towards this one area at District 1 where it was a predominant, predominantly amount of people uh, 
participating in what some people would call, quote unquote, peaceful protesting. I think that as we continue to uh, have dialogues about these uh, demonstrations and these marches and these protests and the rallies and the things that have happened in the city of Rockford, Illinois, one of the reoccurring themes that we you will see me challenge is the concept of peaceful protesting, the concept of nonviolent protesting because of uh, the, manipula the manipulation that is done by uh, the government to deter people from protesting at all. They do this manipulation of the words peaceful, of the words uh, nonviolent, uh, to try to cast anything that does not fit their description of, of uh, peaceful and nonviolent uh, to be immoral or to be illegal or to be unjust or to be wrong to participate in. And I think that is something that if we are going to be able to uh, build the type of mass movement that we need to build, uh, we are going to have to challenge some of those notions, some of those things. Uh, but for now, it is important to point out that the overwhelming amount of people are participating in what will be considered peaceful protesting outside of District 1. Uh, and so it would be at this point when the sun was going down a lot more and it was becoming to be the evening that there would be a, uh, for the first time, be a order of dispersal that would be given, uh, unlawful assembly order that would be given. Uh, and then this order of dispersal and unlawful assembly order would not be given justly or legally. It was co given completely uh, false and completely the wrong way. Uh, no, people were not given a, a, a timely, a, a, a reasonable time to leave, which is uh, the, uh, the, the legal obligation of the, of the law enforcement agency uh, conducting the unlawful assembly or the order the order of dispersal and there was not a route a clear path given because as i have pointed out they had kettled off this area they were uh beginning more and more officers there so for them to kettle off the area they had shut off the whole area of the city uh over there and so uh and at this point i don't know the exact numbers because as it began to get dark like this it was hard to see the exact numbers of people that was there uh but what i want to point out before we continue on uh the path of district one and i get to uh where i left that from district one and how uh my may 30th ended uh, i would like to point out that so as these things are happening uh news cameras are all out there filming this uh people have their phones they're out filming this uh everybody in the city knows what's going on uh at this point in time outside of district one and so the fact that every police officer all these uh, uh law enforcement resources were shifted just towards this one part of the city this one area of the city where there was no chance of it being any victims where there's no chance nobody's homes was being robbed and nobody was uh, going in and it was no businesses there's not nobody outside of no businesses uh, and again we will get to a place of of having a conversation about uh, the historical context of looting, the historical context of, of riots and civil uprisings. But for the moment that is going on right now, none of those things are happening at the uh, at, outside of District 1. But they would put so many resources there that it would incentivize people to uh, engage in the political action of looting and engage in the political action of, of uh what may be considered rioting uh, in other areas of the city because of the fact that those other areas were so defenseless and that they were and that the police department was uh, basically putting on display how defenseless it was because every news channel, everything in the city was filming this. And again, this is after a week of multiple cities. Uh, multiple areas having uh, these civil uprisings take place and having stores uh, be looted and uh, 
as people took political actions, having uh, uh, riots and, uh, and things of that nature happen as people took political actions. And so as this as again, simultaneously, as all these things are happening outside of District one, uh, there did begin to be a different group of people. Uh, and I'm sure that there is some overlap in the people who uh, were violently traumatized outside of District one, uh, violently and brutalized outside of District one. Who did participate in the political action of uh, of, of looting or, or rioting and going to some of these stores uh, out of uh, a, 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 an inherent human uh, desire or, or or need to respond to being violated? Uh, who do you when a police officer? When if imagine being out there and you get beat or you see, you and your child get beat or get uh, pepper sprayed or uh, or have you know uh, are stumped or kicked. Uh, by these police officers who do you go to after that has happened to uh to advocate for justice who do you go to to speak to uh and so and these people know that they can't go to the police department that there's that there's no help for them in those areas and so uh they have to find uh alternative uh ways uh, for them to try to cope with some of these things that have happened. And I believe that that is one of the reasons you've seen the political action of looting and uh, uh, rioting, uh, as you know, again, as some people would consider uh, happening in some of the uh, other areas in the city uh, as this was going on. And so uh, outside of District 1, uh, people would uh, begin to, uh, as the night, as it would become, be getting darker and darker, uh, people would begin to, hey, how you doing? As it would be getting darker and darker, uh, people would begin to, uh, again, more people would be leaving, more people would be leaving the area. Uh, there were less people coming in as other people were leaving the area. Uh, and I think that one of the the main things that uh, that happened as it began to be darker outside was uh, an uptick in the violence that the uh, police department was using, an uptick in the violence uh, that was uh, happening outside of District One. And so, uh, at, whereas before the with the sun being up and with uh, so many more bodies and more people there filming. There was still this uh, a, a heavy amount of violence that the police department was taking place in, uh, but it was more sporadic. It was le it wasn't as continuous as it began to be darker and darker. These things began to be uh, more and more continuous. Uh, and by the time we get to uh, where it is, a, a, a basically dark pitch black outside you know again it's lighting and things of that nature but basically the sun has completely set we're in the evening that we're in the nighttime uh there was pepper spray uh happening uh all over the place there was the air you couldn't even breathe the air uh this it would it would be in this uh time period where i would get shot with the pepper spray bullet and it's, it's hard to know the times when i was out there i wasn't uh looking at my phone looking at the times and things like that so i don't remember the specific times for any of these things uh but one of the uh the main things I remember uh, is just the the air was so thick with the pepper spray that uh, you couldn't even breathe it. And like the uh, if it touched any of your uh, your skin or your flesh, you know, you was, you know, uh, uh, burning, you know, you feel like you was your flesh was on fire. Uh, and luckily, you know, like I said, I said before, I had put on a hoodie and sweatpants and I had tried to uh, cover up as well as possible, had a face mask and those things on. And so I didn't have some of those uh, uh, harsher effects that other people would have. Uh, <clears throat> but the, the air was just completely different. And then uh, 
uh, more people will begin to be shot with some of the beanbag bullets that they would have in the less lethal munition and things of that nature. Uh, you would, uh, as it began darker, you would just hear the, uh, the screams and the cries of people uh, that were out there. That was like the, the, the main audio that I can remember is just basically just screams, you know, and cries. And uh, I think that that's something to, again, to point out of, of about just the inherent uh, emotion that was there and the inherent energy that was sort of there when these things were happening is that these same people who were having these screams and cries uh, from being uh, brutalized and from being traumatized and uh, excuse, uh, uh, in this moment and from being feeling like they have been assaulted and victimized in this moment. These were people who were coming out who had came out hours earlier and came out earlier in that day with those same screams and cries uh, in the form of advocacy for other people who have been uh, traumatized and brutalized and victimized. Uh, and so I think that that uh, sort of 180 degree uh, uh, angle and perspective is important to remember when we uh, speak about dealing with uh, these issues and we speak about the issues of police terrorism mass incarceration and racial injustice and the fact that a lot of times the people who uh, become uh, freedom fighters uh, for those issues, a lot of times the people who become uh, advocates for those issues end up uh, feeling the, uh, the, the toll of those things. Uh, and, and for me, that was the same thing that had happened. Uh, I had came out there in advocacy and had became uh, 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 personally uh, invested from experiencing it. Uh, and so it would be uh, basically completely dark outside and uh, another situation similar to the one where I spoke about where the young woman had fell to the ground and the officer was grabbing her leg. Uh, we would have uh, some people that were on the ground that were uh, police officers were in the, uh, the process of trying to basically grab and pull over. They would, you know, grab people beat them up, pull them over to their side and arrest people. Uh, sometimes, you know, a lot of times they would just grab people, assault them and leave them where they was at and move on to the next person. Uh, so we were, we were trying to, they were trying to grab her. We were, we were in the process of trying to grab her. Uh, and I seen a police officer uh, with the baton basically reach up, reach the baton out uh, in an effort to swing it and hit me. And so in an effort to uh, sort of shield myself, I put up uh, one arm towards the area that the, uh, officer was swinging the baton at uh, and at the same time I had one of that one arm on the young lady that we were trying to pull over from the grasp of the other officer uh, and it would be at this point that I would be uh, shot with what they call is a less it's a uh, it's less lethal munition uh, basically a pepper spray bullet the pepper spray bullet uh, would you know hit my face and uh, explode on impact and I had spoke about uh, in the previous episode how uh, I had intended to go and get goggles but I didn't get the chance to go and get goggles and how that was something that would uh, uh, play a role in uh, me leaving and so uh, once this uh, pepper spray bullet would initially be shot hit me in the face uh, the first two seconds of it uh, there was really no type of uh, physical uh, uh, physical uh, feeling attached to it it was sort of me psychologically trying to uh, deal with the fact that I had just been shot with something, figure out what it was I had been shot with, realize it was wet liquid, realize it was probably pepper spray. Uh, but in that moment, it was not the, the physical uh, the physical burden that comes along with being pepper sprayed had it manifested itself. Uh, and it would be about like three, four seconds in uh, of having this thought of, you know, trying to figure out what it was that I would feel the initial wave of, you know, my face just sort of uh, feeling like it was completely on fire. Uh, and, you know, uh, the pepper spray bullet exploded on impact. So it went uh, to my clothes and my uh, 
parts of my hand that were exposed and uh, it goes through, you know, it still goes through clothes. It's one of the things that I think probably people don't really understand is it still can go through, the, especially when you shot at such a, a close impact. Uh, and so I would uh, fall to the ground, basically, you know, from a, uh, a reaction of not being able to see. And so I didn't want to uh, walk into like the line of police officers because, again, at this point it was a free for all. Uh, and then also from sort of trying to uh, mentally uh, grapple with the uh, mentally grapple with the uh, the effects of being pepper sprayed and the effects of, you know, now how vulnerable I was. And, you know, I'm thinking, am I about to get arrested now that I've been pepper sprayed and uh, am I going to get trampled? You know, again, one of the things that was happening is that the it was the line of people was being pushed back as such a. Uh, uh, with such violent force that people were sort of trampling over people as they would fall. Uh, and so luckily it would be uh, uh, three young ladies who would uh, pick me up and who would help me. Uh, we would basically cross the street from where District 1 was at, go across the street. Uh, I would tell them I had been pepper sprayed. They would, uh, they had some... Uh, 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 different items that they had there, you know, basically like a, a, a concoction uh, specifically for, you know, when you get pepper spray that they uh, used and they uh, put in my eyes. They had some uh, water. Uh, the water really doesn't help. You know, a lot of times, it, you know, and uh, when I was trying to use it, it would, you know, sort of make it worse. Uh, but uh, from from that point of uh, my first interaction with them, uh, it would be maybe about the next five minutes where uh, we would sort of commute, talk with each other and they would say that they were in a place where they were ready to go home and uh, I was obviously in a place where I was, you know, uh, completely vulnerable and so I was, you know, uh, ready to uh, go home and get out of there. And like I said before, I had rode an Uber in, uh, to get there so I didn't drive there and even if I had driven there, I wouldn't have been in any type of shape to drive home. Uh, so uh, I would walk with them back to uh, one of the uh, young ladies' cars uh, and as we were walking to the cars, uh, each one of them had like a, uh, a big thermos or, or a jug of water. Uh, and by the time we would get to the uh, car, it would maybe be like a 35 minute walk, 30, 35 minute walk. We sort of had to take detours trying to avoid the police. As we uh, walked away, we would see that it was like lying, you know, it was uh, such a surreal moment. It was like a, the whole area was a ghost town. It would just be lines of police manning areas. Uh, and so in an effort of trying not to get arrested or have anything happen to us, we were sort of dodging the areas where police were manning air were dodging the areas the police were manning uh, as other people were walking and going to their cars or driving away they would tell us where police were at and we were sort of just uh trying to uh be undetected as well as possible uh so we eventually we would get to their cars and in that time span i would drink all the water that they had in the thermos either drink it or or pour it on me in some way i had like three layers of clothes on a hoodie a long sleeve shirt a t-shirt by the time i get to her, uh the young lady's car all i would have is uh, the t-shirt on from the rest of the the clothes basically being drenched the first hoodie i took off because of the trying to get off the uh the pepper spray uh uh from me removing from my uh, flesh my body uh <clears throat> and we get into the car uh, and at this point, my entire body was burning. I had, because of being uh, shot with the pepper spray bullet in the face, a lot of, I had ingested some of the, uh, the liquid from the uh, pepper spray bullet. And so uh, my, my lips were burning, my mouth was burning, my stomach was burning. Uh, I would uh, ride in the car with her. I'd have to, she had a towel. She had to basically put a towel on her seat so I could sit down on the seats because of uh, how wet my clothes were. Uh, and then we would uh, ride. Uh, my house wasn't too far from uh, where Police District 1 uh, was downtown. It was in a, a close proximity. Uh, we 
ride to my house. Uh, she would drop me off. Uh, we, you know, exchange names. You know, I would tell uh, her and her friends, thank you. They were from out of town, so they were uh, driving home to, uh, she was going to drive home to drop them off. And uh, even in the car ride over, uh, one of the young ladies was on the phone with her parents, and she had lied to her parents about where she was at and where she was going to. And uh, one of her parents was on the phone and was, uh, had found out where she was really at and was, you could hear the anxiety in her parents' voice, wanting her to just get home and yelling at her and, you know, I'm sure out of a, pl a place of concern, but uh, one of the uh, initial things that was, you know, I sort of understood was just the, the scope of and the magnitude of, uh, of what had just happened outside of District 1 and what I had just been involved in and what had just gone on. And, uh, uh, and again, you know, this was the first time I had ever been to a protest or a march or, or anything or took part in anything of this nature. And so this was uh, my introduction to these things. And uh, it was a lot like being, you know, just sort of pushed into the deep end of the water, just pushed in the water and uh, learning how to swim. The amount of, uh, of firsthand education that I, I got about uh, police terrorism, mass incarceration and racial injustice, about uh, how uh, uh, state sanctioned violence comes down, about how, uh, uh, you know, even about uh, uh, community, you know, uh, a lot of the things I learned were about uh uh, the people in the community and how we uh, defended each other and protected each other and uh, and took care of each other and had empathy for each other and I think that you know for me the that was the strongest part of uh, of what happened there actually and uh, in total there would only be ten people that would be arrested I think that that's something that's important to point out connected to uh, outside of District One connected to the protests on May 30 if there would be over a thousand people that would march the streets over a thousand people that would be outside of District One only ten people would be arrested but again hundreds of people would be assaulted you know and all of these things for anybody who's uh listening to this all of these things are online and you can go to the may 30th alliance page and find the videos of all of these things and uh rob for register star w-r-e-x w-t-v-o google youtube for all of these things uh to have some type of uh, uh video uh companionship to some of these things that i'm going through and speaking about uh, audibly uh so we're gonna uh get into the hour mark on this episode uh, and again, like I said, we're, these are going to come out weekly, but I'm going to record them all uh, basically in a, a, a couple of days span. Uh, so uh, the next episode, we will go through uh, the three marches, which took place on June 2nd, 2020, uh, again, outside of Haskell Park, a couple of days after the events of May 30th. Uh, so if you're listening to this on Spotify or uh, Apple or uh, uh title or any uh, anchor whatever app do me a favor and go ahead and share this uh if you're listening to this after it premiered and it's more episodes out go listen to the next episode if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to uh the previous episode go listen to the previous episode uh and so uh i want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen uh and uh, we outside new episode coming soon or it might be out now already <laughs>